0: I grew up in a household of magicians. My father was a semi-professional magician and my grandfather before him was an even more serious professional magician. My dad uh, helped to earn money to pay his way through college by doing magic shows and when my parents were dating, yes, my mom was a magician's assistant. That was one of the first parts in their life together. Um, And my grandfather was a member of the elite magicians club in Los Angeles called the Magic Castle, which was a special treat as a child when we would be invited to, to be there. It was housed in an old mansion in Hollywood, and we had the opportunity to see magicians who were of the highest caliber right up close doing their illusions. And so I got to see what it was like for magicians who take the craft, the art, Of doing magic and doing illusions very seriously and there are some codes of ethics. One of the things about magicians is they never reveal their secrets. It takes away the fun and what a strange thing it is if you stop and think about it why it is fun for us to watch somebody do something that we know is false and to let ourselves be uh, be tricked to watch these illusions. And we know that they're not true, which I think is part of the excitement. We can't believe our eyes and we almost begin to suspend our belief when we see what we can't describe. Another ethic that magicians also hold is to always remember that it is an illusion, that it's fake. You see the silly names and the big costumes that some of them take on, that's part of it. It's a show. It's not real. That's important for the health of the practice of that particular art. And one of the interesting tricks that uh, allows magicians to do their craft uh, that I observed is behind many of, of the illusions that you see magicians do is the trick of getting people to look where the magician wants them to look. that you may be doing something with one hand so that people don't see what you're doing with your other hand. And so basically people don't see the truth that's right in front of their eyes, but they see the illusion and they enjoy it and they buy into it. And I have seen this in other places. Once when I was in my early 20s and I had some friends that were part of a different denomination than the Episcopal Church and they invited me to their church Um, I went along with them. This was an evening service in a church that was basically in a warehouse kind of a place. And and let me say, just to be clear, my view about denominations, Christian denominations, I'm sort of like Abraham Lincoln who allegedly said, whatever you are, be a good one. Well, this wasn't a, a, a good example of whatever that tradition was. There was a person up front, and it was a very small crowd of people, but the person up front with the microphone claimed to have the gift of prophecy, and he decided he would prophesy over every single person in attendance that day. So instead of coming forward for communion, it was too awkward not to, but even I got in line and went forward. And when I saw him up close, and I saw the way he carried himself, the way that he sold the illusion, I recognized what I was seeing. And this art of being able to misdirect attention the way that a person wants to do is useful in other arenas too. Think of P.T. Barnum. P.T. Barnum, when he wasn't busy running his circus or reminding people that there was a sucker born every minute, what did he do? He was the mayor of the city of Bridgeport. Today, we are remembering the Magi And the word magi comes from the word magic. They were people who were so wondrous that people felt that there was something about them that was magical. But for them, it wasn't a trick. Their gift was being able to see, to behold, to read what was true, what was really going on. And to be clear, they were outsiders. They came from an exotic, distant place. They appear, they're not the people who are supposed to get in on the good news first, but they do. They're the ones who are able to look at the night sky, to read the stars, and to know where the light is leading them. And It's also true that it was a very dark time in which they lived. They were dealing with a notorious personality named Herod the Great. Herod the Great is known by historians as as a, a ruthless person. He was somebody that if he saw power in any other place being expressed, all he could see was rivalry, and he would squash it, which is what is told in the story today. Jesus is born, and people say this is a new king, a baby that has been born who will reign as a king. And Herod's clear plan is to destroy the baby Jesus, and he hopes to use the wisdom of the wise men to do that deed. But the wise men are brave. They could see what was true better than others, and that protected them. Well, here we are at the end of a week that has been unforgettable. I think what happened on Wednesday was one of those moments in history where all of us who witnessed it will never forget where we were when we saw the Capitol being invaded right before our eyes. It really was happening right here in this city. And I will never forget on that day, I had a few minutes on the middle of a busy Wednesday and I went into the kitchen because I was working from home. And I made myself a little bit to eat. It wasn't a proper lunch. It was one of those meals that you eat while standing up. Um, But I took my phone out of my pocket and I set it up on the counter. And I was interested in streaming the speech that I knew was taking place just steps from where we are right now. And I watched maybe 10 minutes of that speech. And I recognized the art of a very, very skilled illusionist. I recognized the practice like surgical precision with the words and the way they were delivered and the showmanship of getting people to look exactly where the President of the United States wanted his followers to look and see exactly what he wanted them to see and maybe not see other things that possibly could have been seen at the moment. And the very next people that I spoke to after seeing that I shared with them how troubled I was. And I said, something really bad is about to happen. I don't think any of us really could have predicted exactly what was about to take place. And there is so much that we could talk about regarding Wednesday, including the display of privilege that took place, the desecration of our Capitol building. We could talk about the double standard in the way that the security treated the mob who was coming in, destroying and invading the capital space, who were mostly white people. But here today, as we think about the gift of the epiphany and the discovery and the light that it brings, I'm interested in noticing the damage that occurs when deception and illusion take the place of truth. To paraphrase what has been often repeated, especially lately, we can disagree about opinions, but where will we be if we cannot accept that facts are facts? We are not entitled to different facts. There is truth and there is fact, like the fact that the election was not stolen. And we now have a situation where the fabric of our republic is in serious peril because literally millions of people believe that it was. Those calling for healing now cannot do so in good faith unless they repent from the deception that they have participated in or allowed to happen, putting their political fortunes ahead of their duty to our country as public servants. To read about those wise men, they were not just wise, but they were also brave. They put everything on the line. They lived in such dark times. But they were ready to follow the light which led them to truth. And they were ready to share that light so the rest of the world could behold it. And I think at this time, we reasonably may be asking ourselves, many of us may be saying, Lord, tell us what to do with our lives so that we can be agents of good, of peace, of justice, of what is true, what is of the light. William Sloan Coffin shared this in a sermon on the epiphany. He said, Christ tells us not what to do, but how to be, full of wonder, peace, care, concern for one another, eager, even as God is eager to make humanity more human. Things are going to get worse, he says. Things are going to get worse, and when things get worse, we have to get better. The meaning of this day and this season is about light coming into the world and our discovery of it. And it is also about courage, for us to have the courage like that of the wise men to journey away from the world of illusion and to follow that light faithfully that leads us to God, which empowers us to be truth-tellers and love-bearers. Amen.